Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's nothing else I need to say other than I'm so excited you're here. I know Mike is thrilled that you're here. We're going to have a great night. Uh, thank you for being a wonderful audience. And now I need you to get as hyped as you have ever been for the newest Olympian! It is a delight to be back here doing another show under interesting circumstances, talking about a movie that is certainly a movie. <laughs> we did a little bit of coverage of it in Philadelphia last night, AKA Doyle's Town, and we got through just the part where they find the first pearl and they're going to Las Vegas. So you all have joined us for We're Off the Rails <laughs> and Beyond. So we're going to have a fun time talking about that. I think we just get right into it. Let's not waste any time. Let's get into meeting our guests because can't do this alone. Always have lovely guests here. So let's bring out our first guest. Our first guest is someone that you've heard on the podcast. You may have heard her other podcasts. She is someone who's been fantastic on the show. And we are recording this on October 22nd. Episode 100 of TNO is coming out tomorrow. And... <laughs> That episode slaps so hard. I will be posting it after the show tonight. And it slaps so hard, mainly because of this guest. So please, welcome to the stage, Sequoia Simone! Hello! And let's bring to the stage our second guest. This is someone who you've seen at least once doing comedy in New York City. I'm being straight up, objectively, honestly, Kelly's favorite comedian. Please make some noise for Adam Amawala! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Sequoia, people may or may not have seen your reaction to the film that you did watch for the first time with me and some other fine folks that we streamed on Patreon. Mm -hmm. Just in case people haven't seen that yet and they want to know your thoughts before we get into it, what were your thoughts on the film? Mike, you made me watch this movie two whole times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was a yeah. lot. It was a lot. <laughs> but yeah, my genuine reaction, if you were at the live stream, any of you that happened to be at the Patreon live stream, was a lot of screaming out loud and like standing up from a sitting position. I sent them <laughs> the whole time just like, Whoa! 
And then I'd sit back down. And then I'd do that over and over again. So just imagine that, yeah. Okay. And Adam, people listening to the podcast will yeah. have heard this, but the folks here in New York haven't. As someone who has never read the Percy mm-hmm. Jackson books before and only seen this movie, yeah. did you have a different sort of opinion of, oh, you know, I don't see what the whole fuss is mm-hmm. about. This seemed like a fine film. What were your thoughts? I went into it with a clear heart and a clear mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was open to the idea of liking it. I have now watched it once, and I am confident in saying that if all of this money were real and you offered to give it to me in exchange for watching it a second time, I would say no and feel good about that decision. (laughs) It's one of the worst films with the best casts I have ever seen. It is appallingly bad, really. So for reference in the crowd, who here has seen the film? Okay, okay. That was a lot of wooing. I'm so sorry. Don't don't woo, just raise your hand. Who has not seen the film? Okay. Good for you. How... Who here listens to the podcast? Who here is a significant other friend, et cetera, that got dragged along and has no idea what's going on? All right. That guy. Don't worry. Do not worry. I always want to make these shows enjoyable for everyone. Then why are we talking about this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is group therapy for Percy Jackson fans. But you're going to have a good time, too. Don't worry about it. And for any of you, if you haven't watched the movie, we're all doing you a favor in that. You don't have to watch the movie because we did it, so you don't have to. But And I did it twice, yeah. I'd just like to say again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to pick it up where we last left off, which is when they are about to go to Las Vegas. Now, what sucks about the Marauder's Map telling them to go <laughs> to Las Vegas and the Lotus Casino is that it completely goes against the point of the lotus myth. Were you familiar with the lotus flower myth beforehand? I was not. It's fine. I wasn't either when I started the podcast, when I read the books. But basically, the whole lotus flower thing from way back in Greek mythology is supposed to be this false oasis sort of thing. In the Odyssey, a storm forces the crew onto an island, and then they eat the flowers, and then, oh no, they're trapped on the island. In Percy Mm -hmm. Jackson, the books, they stumble along the Lotus Casino along the way, and they get drawn to it, and then they get stuck in. But in this, it's intentional. So it just completely is the antithesis of what it is supposed to be, and kind of ruins all of the mythological purpose. Meaning because there's like no trick to it? Yeah, it's yeah. just like the, the map is like, go to the casino, and then it doesn't have subtext that's like, also it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you have to go here. Right. Imagine if it did though. Imagine if it just said, also it's a trap. Yeah. Do you think they'd, he'd, he'd I'm still I'm actually go. surprised it didn't because they spell everything out in this movie the whole time. <laughs> just smashing us over the head with it. <sighs> now, of course, when they're in Vegas, they have to make the most easy, simple music choice ever because that's the whole thing the film does. They play Highway to Hell after a character says Highway to Hell. (laughs) They're in Vegas, so they have to play a little less conversation, a little more action by Elvis because you can't play any other song. Then they go into the Lotus Casino and I called this out on the stream. They have a huge win this car sign in front of the car. Just the most obvious foreshadowing ever where it's like, hey, guess how they're going to get out of the casino. Right. They might drive the car. Before we even get into the casino, sure. so when they're pulling up, have you been to Vegas? Have you both been to Vegas? Uh, yes, I've been to Vegas. So it's fairly clearly Caesar's Palace is what they're using. Oh. And my guess is that they offered Caesar's Palace. They were like, we will use your name, completely free advertising. And someone at Caesar's read the script and they were like, it's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, <laughs> there's no, you can call it Lotus, you can call it something else, but we want, we want no part of this. 
they go in, and it's just straight up a casino. In the books, it felt more like a big Dave and Buster's or yeah. an ESPN yeah. zone. Because it was geared towards yeah. children. Right. Because yeah. it was supposed to trap children. Children. Which they were in the books, but in the movie, they are adults. Not. And horny ones. <laughs> yes. Gosh. Yeah. Not Grover, but the rest yeah. of them. Uh, so they go through, and then these people going around, instead of giving drinks, they have these lotus flower cookie type things. And I gotta say, they do look very tasty. They, they look, good, yeah. look delicious. They look like soap. Oh, interesting. But some soap looks tasty. Tide <laughs> <laughs> pots. Tide, oh, yeah. that's a whole thing. <laughs> so then because they are in a casino, they have to play Poker Face by Lady Gaga, which I'm okay with. Like... I guess I'm more okay since this movie came out in 2010 with very 2010 music being in it. So Poker Face by Lady Gaga is playing. They eat the lotus flowers. In the books, it's just a kind of thing that makes them want to stay there. But in the movies, it is mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They They're are just, immediately hallucinating. Yeah. 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 They are truly tripping out on psychedelics. The colors around them change and everything. It's just like they either did edibles or shrooms or something. It's ridiculous. Grover then starts walking around with a harem of girls because Grover's a different character in the movie. <laughs> Percy and Annabeth start playing craps, and then Percy does that thing that is like the only gif I see ever on Percy Jackson Twitter where he does the look, yeah, uh, thing. <laughs> And then Grover gets a mani-pedi, and no one questions the hoof. They yeah. just, you know, go on and give it a bunch of nail polish. Grover well, everyone is really high. So they're oh. like, I could just be hallucinating this, <laughs> this hoof, even, right? Even the people working there? Even the person doing his nails? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay. it's everybody. I just, I mean, even if you accept that he's got goat legs, that's, that takes way more nail polish. There should, yeah. It should cost more. Yeah, like, it To should. paint a whole, a whole hoof? A whole hoof? That's a lot of nail polish. That's a lot of nail polish. Yeah. Yeah. So then Grover does choreography with about 20 backup dancers. <laughs> the choreography, fine. Like, it's not bad. I just want to know when they learned it. I want to know, <laughs> did they go into a back room? Are they just vibing? How did it all come together? Maybe it's a side effect of the lotus flower. Mm. And like, uh. could they distill just that side effect of the lotus flower and give that to me? Because <laughs> I would like to be doing choreographed dances. What's funny is by the end of it, they realize that they've been in there for five days. So maybe they did learn the choreography for three. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, yeah. So then as this is all going on, Percy Jackson's inner voice, which is Poseidon just telling him what to do because Percy cannot have an independent thought in this film. <laughs> His voice from Poseidon tells him, do not eat the flower. It dulls the senses and it keeps you prisoner there. Why didn't he tell him that five days ago? <laughs> yeah, great question. He was busy standing behind buses and letting them pass. <laughs> he was badgering fishermen on Coney Island. <laughs> but the voice thing really sucks because it truly just makes Percy in this film an idiot. He doesn't think of anything on his own. And Percy, in the Lotus Casino scene in the books, he recognizes what's going on. He has a conversation with our friend Darren, who spells his name D-A-R-R-I-N. And then he realizes what's going on. And just for Poseidon to keep telling him things throughout the film over and over and over again stinks. I really, really hate it. So then we do have like a semi-Darren scene where after hearing this, Percy does see a guy in a Who shirt and, you know, whatever the little leather dangly... Fringe? Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I own no fringe. 
But he is playing pinball, and then we learn that this guy thinks it's 1971. So then Percy... Of all the characters to keep, yeah. honestly, uh -huh. everybody they got rid of and they kept yeah. that guy? Yeah. <laughs> there were like, Ares, the main villain? No. Kronos, the main villain? No. no. Clarice? She's Annabeth now. Uh, <laughs> wish, But, but wish.com, Kurt Cobain? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so... Percy then sees that the roulette ball is a pearl. It's one of the three pearls. So then he begins rejecting all of the people trying to give him lotus flowers. The bellhop tells someone on his radio, Percy Jackson is awake. And then Percy starts warning the team while TikTok by Kesha plays. Oh. It's so good. It's so good. Maybe, so, so, so maybe good. the best needle drop in the whole movie. Yeah. I was really happy, yeah. really, really happy about it. So then the team does snap out of it, and they start to get chased by the security. Mm -hmm. Grover beats people up with his crutches, which I enjoy. I think it's nice. Sure. Annabeth beats people up with a pool cue, which seems intense. And then they get in the Bugatti, and they drive off. And unfortunately for this film, I woke up in a new Bugatti. came out in 2013, yeah, so they couldn't... Tough. Put in the next most right, obvious right. choice, but yeah. they drive off. Like I said, I was just waiting for Alexander Daddario to eat a white lotus. <laughs> oh! I've definitely seen good. white lotus, so... I've seen She's in it. I lotus. missed that. That's yeah. where it, it starts and ends, baby. <laughs> so then Annabeth, in just the worst delivery possible... I'm sure Alexander Daddario is a nice person, but <laughs> she says, now that all makes sense. That was the lair of the Lotus Eaters. They've been luring people into their traps since ancient times. I thought she was a smart one. She's supposed to be, but she's just Clarice in this movie. <laughs> so yeah, just terrible, terrible timing. I just don't even think it was necessary at that point. Like, it, does the movie actually need that no. that information? I, I don't... That I, could be the tagline for the movie itself. Does this movie need this <laughs> <Yeah>. information? <laughs> <laughs> so Grover then sees a date on a sign, and that's when they realize they've been in there for five days. The solstice is tomorrow. So they consult the map immediately this time, as opposed to waiting long periods of time before <laughs> figuring where they need to go next. So they consult the map, and they see that Hades is in Hollywood. So... They go to the Hollywood sign. They look right. They see it. They think, this is all so crazy. Everybody seems so famous. And then <laughs> a hole opens in the dirt nearby because this movie is also Battle of the Labyrinth. Mike, I'm so sorry. Yes. I, I forgot a very important thing. Please. They are in the Lotus Casino, yes. right? They are eating Lotus flowers. Yes. And then they drive out in a Maserati. Oh, there is literally a sports car called the Lotus. Oh. How was it that was not right the there. easiest sponsorship ever? Uh, oh, How did they miss that? Because uh. they read the script and oh, they right, said, right, right. please no. Like, you know what? Talk, talk to, to Bugatti. Talk to Bugatti. We are out. The only thing, maybe, like, yeah. if we are trying to answer this question, I don't know if Lotuses have back seats. They might be two-seat only cars. It could be. Yeah. Also, thank you for correcting me that it was a Maserati and not a Bugatti, because clearly all the listeners of my podcast are very rich billionaires <laughs> that know the difference. And I would have gotten some very angrily worded emails, I guess, like, with <laughs> diamond-encrusted <laughs> subject lines. <laughs> inside of the dirt. They go in, and it's the entrance to the underworld, and they come upon the most swagless Charon possible. In the book, he has this, like, chocolate Italian suit with cool mm -hmm. hair, and then in Hades the Video Game, he at least has, like, this really cool hat and gems and a big oar. This guy is just, like, discount Voldemort. It's really, <laughs> really bad. Really, really bad. 
So Grover tries to pay him in cash because he remembers the whole, oh, you got to pay the ferryman thing. And he cites the presidents on the dollar bills as dead people. But then Charon just sets it aflame. And then Percy remembers, oh, we stole only four drachmas from the fountain earlier in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So they hand those over and then it does work. I think that's this part is where that my favorite line in the movie comes where he's like, oh, you're just burning money. It's a recession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it is actually funny. Like, there's a yeah. couple of lines from Grover that are actually funny. And I had this one written down. Not only does he say, you're burning money, we're in a recession, but he also goes, that's treason. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. That's funny. Yeah, because burning life. money. It's uh, federal yeah. funds, I think. Yeah. The boat that they get in is then just, like, flying. There's no river sticks. It's just the sky. And, the and it's just the sky is full of stuff. Right. They're like, what's going on here? And there's the sky's full of stuff. It's right. really sad. Which... Yeah. In the books, it's the River Styx, which is like this Greek mythological thing, and it is something that is supposed to have like failed dreams and stuff like that. So that holds over, and I believe in the books, they go on the actual water on an actual boat, and they see these things floating in the water. But Chris right. Columbus was like, I hate water, air only. <laughs> this movie is a failed dream. <laughs> oh! The strongly worded email from uh, Rick Riordan <laughs> passes by them in the boat. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they arrive at Hades' palace and then Charon says this is as far as I go this doesn't make any sense though because this is exactly where they want to go you only yeah. say this is as far as I go when they like can't bring you all the way where you're supposed to go right? Yeah. right okay good <laughs> they were like that's fine we're here yeah. Yeah. I'm like oh could you walk me inside please <laughs> So they enter, they get approached by some hellhounds, which do look very scary. Like, very, very scary. I'm assuming this is supposed to be a children's movie, and, like, a lot of the stuff is just straight-up creepy. Yeah. But they've got really Yeah, I don't assume this is supposed to be a children's movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, given that Chris Columbus thinks the entire audience is a bunch of idiots because the entire dialogue is just like, this is what's happening in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. But we get some really creepy hellhounds, and... Uh, I was just trying oh. to imagine any of them as Mrs. O'Leary. And uh -huh. I was like, this is not this is not the cute hellhound that I want. In the books later on, Percy befriends a hellhound, mm. and it's like the only good one. But yeah, it would he be rescues really, it. <laughs> I mean, kinda. No, so he actually leaves out pudding cups, and then uh, the mm. hellhound comes, and then they have a basketball league, and then they say there's no rules. That Shut up. <laughs> You have me for a second there. I got look. The, the horse boys are on stage. I yeah, had to get yeah, something yeah, basketball good. in there. Uh, but no, he ends up befriending one, and it's this whole tough thing where it's like, oh, hellhounds are all supposed to be evil, but this one's my friend. Right. But yeah, I had. The but same when they look like Korea. that, no, 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 yeah. The hellhounds come in, and then more shocking than this, guess who shows up? Rosario Dawson. <laughs> I'm in, uh, I'm here for that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Rosario Dawson shows up, and I. Because when we first watched this movie on the stream, I closed my eyes because when they were doing the credits, I didn't want to know any of the famous people in the movie. So she shows up, and my initial thought was, what character is she supposed to be? <laughs> and she explains that these hellhounds were agitated by the smell of another animal. So it's Grover being a satyr. She then realizes that Grover's a satyr, and then she's like weirdly turned on by it. <laughs> we then learn that she is Persephone. And I was absolutely floored by this because Persephone's not in the first book. So why is she in the first movie? And also, Stephen Parra pointed this out. Stephen Parra, who's in the crowd tonight. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Along with like an all-star cast of people who have been on TNO, the people that I got on the plus one list, guys, <laughs> is pretty good. Uh, let me just list off the heavy hitters of people who are in the crowd. Wow. We've got Dr. Stephen Para. We've got Jackson Bird from the first two episodes. Dr. Moya McTeer. <laughs> Sherry Guo. Uh, Sarah Shackett. Emily Garver, and then someone that I very much enjoy, but it hasn't been on the podcast yet, Gabrielle Urbina. Like, it's an all-star cast of people in the crowd tonight. And now let's bring out Chris Columbus. <laughs> but Dr. Stephen Porter pointed out to me, even after all of this shock, this movie takes place in the summer. Persephone is not supposed to be in the yeah. underworld. Yeah. She's supposed to be above. So this makes yeah. absolutely no sense at all. I like that everyone was already mad at this movie. is now more mad at the movie. <laughs> So uh, it's, just, it's just really confusing. I guess like the only reason it's supposed to be less surprising is they talk about Persephone earlier in the movie and these are her pearls now, I guess. So it's not supposed to be so shocking, but it does make no sense to me. Right. She's leaving pearls all around for her lovers to have so they can leave hell in the most inc- Like, How are her lovers getting the pearls? <laughs> Why are they there? Why are they like that? You know, they just go to the Parthenon and then, you know, jump up. <laughs> Her, the way she hits on Grover is so bad, too. It's Because it's, she does this prolonged, like, pause. She's like, I've never had a satyr over at my house. Yeah. <laughs> she takes a really long time. It's really, really Cringe. bad. Now, every aspect of the dialogue, it really just proves that the dialogue is just to let the viewer know what is happening. And then she gets into a bit of yelling with Hades from a distance saying, uh, you know, I don't want to be here, blah, blah, blah. She gives like a good like, or what? Like when he threatens her, a whole thing. He, of course, when they are brought to him, he is sitting in a chair with his back to them, staring at the fireplace next to a Gibson SG. Because of course, like you have to give him the ACDC guitar because he's Hades. It's just like the laziest choices. Just every choice, like the costumes are fine. Like Persephone's dress is pretty cool. But I just feel like every other choice is just like, what is the first thing that could ever be thought of when we are thinking of a character? And that is exactly how they will act and how they will dress and all this stuff. There's no interesting. I don't think the costumes are fine. He looks like Russell Brand. (laughs) (laughs) The hell is he wearing? (laughs) Russell off brand. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. (laughs) But it's just, I think what is so nice about the Percy Jackson books and the way they do the characters is that a lot of the choices are things you wouldn't expect. Like Dionysus is this like grumpy, weird animal print shirt wearing guy and Hermes wears like track clothes and runs where it's like, oh, that makes sense, but it isn't what I thought of. But everyone in this movie is just like exactly the first thought that comes to mind. It's just such a lazy choice at every instance. And it's an especially lazy choice because you have source material. Yes. Yeah. It's like I going out of your way to make the laziest choice possible. Right. I went to Wikipedia and then I read the first line and now I'm making the choices. And I was fortunate enough where I got to be a member of the press at New York Comic Con uh, with all the Percy Jackson stuff. Wild. I'm not a member of the press, but... For a day, I was. Uh, and I did, I, I don't want to promote it too much because I want to still do like SAG Solidarity stuff, but I will just say like I got to interview some of the people on the production staff and I kept asking them like all these questions and basically every single person was like, yeah, we just kind of like did what the book said. Um, like everyone was just like, Rick did a really good job already. So we just what kinda, a like, novel true to the book. concept. <laughs> hey, hey, there hey. we go. <sighs> so, Hades says that He has Percy's father's looks, despite them not looking alike at all. (laughs) Nothing alike. 
Hades says that he is damned here, and the only way that he can escape is to defeat Zeus and Poseidon on Olympus, and for that, he needs the bull. Not the whole thing in the book. This is just completely made up, just making him like the easiest thing. In the book, Hades is basically like a red herring, and then Chris Columbus was like, what if we made the obvious choice of villain the villain? (laughs) So bad, so bad. He says that if Percy gives him the bull, he will give Sally back in exchange, and Percy says, I'm not the lightning thief. So we're up to another counter of them saying the lightning thief in the movie. Never said in the books, said six times in the movie. I'm not the lightning thief. I don't have the bolt. And then Hades wonders, well, okay, why did you come? And Percy says, well, I thought if I proved my innocence to you that you would, you know, just release my mom and let me go. And then in the most British way possible, Steve Coogan goes, do you think I'm Hades yet? (laughs) I'm Hades! (laughs) Demands the bull, saying, no, give me the bull or say goodbye to your mother. And Percy, who just said he doesn't have it, tries to make it clear that he doesn't have it. I'm guessing the do you think I'm an idiot thing is Hades not believing that Percy doesn't have it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense at all. And here's something that I didn't realize until the second watching of this movie for this live show. At no point in the film does anyone explain to Percy Jackson why everyone thinks Percy Jackson stole the bolt. In the movie, we learn it at the beginning because, as Adam pointed out in the show last night, in the very beginning, Zeus and Poseidon go, here's the plot of the movie, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But in the book, I believe it's a conversation with Chiron where Chiron explains what's going on and why they think it's him. Chiron explains the demigods can steal things and not them and all this other stuff. But I don't think Percy in this movie ever learns why everyone thinks he has it. People just keep telling him he has it. And then Percy's like, well, I guess everyone just thinks I have it. I don't know. (laughs) He never questions it. He just argues against it and then never goes one step further. No. Yeah. Yeah. I also like like that Hades is like, hey, do you have it? And he's like, no, I don't have it. And Hades is like, I don't believe you. And then he expects Percy to be like, well, you got me. Right. (laughs) It's like when they're like, check this box if you're a terrorist. (laughs) Well, now that I've been asked, I I guess. (laughs) Oh, man. The whole thing of... Hades saying out loud, I'm Hades, just kind of really makes it clear what Chris Columbus was doing. That's why Hades looks like a big winged demon sometimes, because it's just like, what's the easiest choice of Hades? And then Hades, of course, has to be the bad guy because he's Hades. He can't be complex or an antihero or a misunderstood god or whatever. He has to be the bad guy, which then made me realize, oh yeah, where is Ares, the actual villain in this movie? And then, oh yeah, where's Kronos, the main overarching villain of the series? I don't get how you have two villains in a thing and the director slash whatever the hell Chris Columbus's title is, movie ruiner is, oh, whatever, just got rid of both of them. But then Hades does what is the natural thing to do in this instance, which is grab a bone candelabra sphere and smash it on the ground. Then Sally materializes out of it. I love how long it takes for Sally to materialize, too. (laughs) You're sitting there looking at your watch like five minutes later. (laughs) She's still materializing. She's lagging. Uh, so Percy drops the shield to run and hug her and then we see inside the shield is the bolt and the bolt starts zapping a lot like many zaps where I don't know how they have the shield for the whole movie and Percy doesn't feel it or hear it or anything like that wouldn't the shield be like a conductor oh good point you would think 
You know, magic, magic, something yep. yeah, magic. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I guess the voice inside Percy's head never told him to look inside the shield, but uh, Poseidon again, is easy. yeah, it's so, such selective advice. Like, why is it like five times in the movie at like not even the most opportune moments? No, his dad talks to him. No, just you know, whenever. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hades sees the bolt and grabs it. He calls Percy a liar. Percy denies it. Annabeth, with again really bad line delivery, goes, "No, Luke rigged it." He used us. And then Percy, just in case we didn't get it after that, Percy says, yeah, Luke stole the lightning bolt. Thanks, Which Percy. would make him the, the lightning, lightning thief. thief. And I'm Percy Jackson, and these are the Olympians. And have I mentioned that I have dyslexia and ADHD? <laughs> oh, because I do. It's getting worse, Mom. <laughs> but nobody asks at any point who Luke is. No. Hades is just like, yeah, just a gamer. Luke. Just a gamer. <laughs> Hades plays against Luke, actually. Oh, you in the mean video. Yeah, Hermes yeah. Sun 232XXX on Call of Duty? <laughs> <laughs> now, Hades tells Persephone to feed them to the souls, and then these gates in front of the fireplace open, and these scary humanoids come out of the fire, but then they don't leave the fireplace. They just kind of like stand in front of it and go, rah. Yeah, yeah, but then they don't yeah. move, so the grade is pointless because these guys clearly won't extend past the barrier. But then Hades tells Persephone to summon the hounds, and Grover, again with a funny line, goes, Lassie, sit, sit! <laughs> Pretty good. Hades then tells Persephone that he's going to become king of the gods. She kisses him in celebration, but it's actually a fake-out move because she steals the bolt and then zaps him with it. And when I watched this the first time, you can see my reaction on the patron stream, but just we've already had a situation where the main villain is gone, the second villain is gone, the red herring is now the villain, and this character who's not in the movie I thought was like the secret villain, because I thought Persephone was actually going to be the bad guy, but it turns out Persephone just wants to do it because she doesn't like Hades, and he's rude to her and stuff like that. So she zaps him, closes the grate, sends off the dogs, Percy asks why she did that, and she says, because he's rude and abusive. Uh, okay, good enough reasons. Sure. <laughs> But then she says, if the gods started a war, she wouldn't be able to have her time on the surface, which is in the summer. <laughs> she gives the bolt back to Percy and tells them all to go. But the problem is they only have three pearls. And this actually happens in the film. Persephone says, after they dejectedly look at the three pearls, then Persephone goes, only three? There are four of you. And then continues with information we already know, each pearl only transports a single person. It's You're just... like, are these Annabeth's lines? And they just gave them <laughs> It's so bad. It's so bad. Percy offers to say, but Grover insists, though, because he gets to have sex with... No, uh, he... <laughs> that is a subtext, I mean, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's there. He doesn't it's list there. that as the reasoning, yeah. but it is on the table. <laughs> but no, he insists that he stay because he is the protector, and it is his job, and he should do this. But it's also funny when, like, he offers, and then it's almost like he's expecting them to be like, no, 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 and they're like, sure. Okay. Yeah, they <laughs> accept it immediately. Yeah, there's no pushback. They're there's like, not even... Well, a, I guess it's settled. <laughs> yeah, there's not even, like, a half-ass, like, yeah. oh, no, are you sure? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, 
that's yeah. so nice of you. Yeah. They just like we watched Sally materialize for five minutes, but this whole conversation about who stays mm-hmm. and who goes is two minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's so quick. It's so quick. I actually, I have a. I just it just came to me. Please. I have a theory on the seasons discourse. Okay, you said Persephone is not supposed to be there in the summer, but right. when it's summer here. It's winter in Australia. How are we to know what the seasons are in Hades? Oh, wow. So in this universe, Hades, when, yeah. Hades he is Australian. British accent, he's yeah. Australian. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. Or, or, no, no, no. He's British. It always rains there. So he's like, yeah, it's always winter. <laughs> <laughs> Summer, what are you talking about? I'm gonna get some Do I look like an email. idiot? Yeah, Do okay. I? I'm gonna, get some <laughs> I'm gonna get some bad emails from atco.uk uh, email addresses. So the three people who are going put down the pearls, step on them, and then focus on where they want to go. Olympus, where at least two of them have never been. Yeah. Just thinking of the idea all. of what it might look like to them, and right. it works, yeah. Which would be funny if they do this, and then Percy ends up not on the roof of the Empire State Building. Like, what right. if he went to, like, Greece, and he's like, I thought we were going to Olympus, guys. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they teleport, and then they just go to the Empire State Building. Now, Grover staying back is supposed to be bad, but as we've talked about, the implication is that he's going to just have, like, a very sensual time with Rosario Dawson. (laughs) And all of that aside, just based on Grover, the character in the movie, he is so horny, you know, of, like, trying to get with the Aphrodite bikini girls and the people Mm -hmm. in Vegas. Like, I don't understand. Is it because she's, like, so intimidating? Is it because she's a god and might be, like, too powerful and, like, injure him? But it's just so weird for this character the whole time who's just trying to, like, get it on. He finally gets the chance to, like, get it on with a god. And he's like, oh, no. Ugh, gross. I, sh- I would have understood that from Grover, the character in the book. But the Grover that we've seen for the past 90 minutes would be so down for this. Are you kidding me? <sighs> it's all a front. It's all a front. Oh, yeah. you think he's putting on yeah. a front while the three of them are there? See, and then once they guys. leave, he's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get my Grover on. I'm so on. brave. I'm going to stay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Try to like later get points, you yeah. know, friendship points to them. Yeah, okay. So he stays back. And then they transport to the observation deck of the Empire State Building. And Percy immediately goes, this isn't the right place. This isn't Olympus. This is the Empire State Building. And only then did I realize Chiron never explained the whole <laughs> Greek god thing. So in the books, the whole reasoning of why Olympus is on top, it's the 600th floor of the Empire State Building, is that it's this explanation about how, like, the Greek gods just kind of go wherever, like, society is thriving most. So Mm. it was Greece back then, and then it moved around, and now it's in America. That never gets explained to Percy, and is never explained in the movie. So we're all just supposed to, like, get it and not question it at all? Yeah. Even though none of the Greek gods talk in an American accent, they just talk in, like, vague, old, dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) It's so strange. Well, as you remember at the beginning of the movie where they explained the whole movie, Uh they were standing on top of the Empire State Building. Right. Um, But they don't say Olympus up here. What if it was just like a sleepless in Seattle thing where they're like, Poseidon, meet me on top of this Empire State Building observation deck. We have to have a very dramatic conversation and then I'm going to break a door. We should all go there right now. (laughs) We're so close. Yeah, but it's also so expensive. So they go to the observation deck. Percy is very confused, but then Sally yells really loudly that the entrance to Olympus is right there. Percy doesn't question it at all. He just goes. And then as they are about to go, before they can go to Olympus, 
Luke calls for Percy Jackson's attention. And at this moment, we're going to pause at this dramatic cliffhanger for intermission. Ooh. <laughs> now, if you are listening to the podcast after the fact, you're going to hear the lightning brief, uh, mid-roll break, talking about all sorts of stuff for the podcast. So let's all say goodbye to the podcast people. <gasps> goodbye, goodbye, podcast people. Hello and welcome to the Lightning Brief Paris Hotel Edition. Just got back from doing the live show here in Paris and it was a very fun time. And now I'm going to be recording all the things for the mid-roll break and getting the episode out. So let's get into all the fun updates and stuff. First, as referenced in this episode, we are doing a stream to watch the second movie, the Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters film. We're doing a patron watch along stream. So if you join any TNO tier at the newsolympian.com slash Patreon, you'll get access to watching me and Bobby Wagner and Alyssa Esteban and Emily and Phoebe from Monster Donut and Erica from Seaweed Brain, all watching the Sea of Monsters movie. We'll do a classic three, two, one hit play and you can all watch it with us and it's with a YouTube live chat thing so you can see everybody's reaction in the chat as well. And because it's on YouTube live, if the time zone doesn't work, we're doing it at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, December 3rd. You can watch a replay of it after and it will have a full live chat replay. So do not worry if that time or day doesn't work for you. We're really excited about it. It's going to be a fun, ridiculous time. I can only imagine what is going to be in this movie. So that is this Sunday, December 3rd at 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you join any tier on the Patreon and then you can watch it from the link that will get posted on the Patreon. Second, I'm happy to report that the TNO beads that went out of stock the Friday after they went live are back in stock now. So we made TNO beads inspired by jokes and references and stuff that we made over these episodes covering the PJO books. And there is a pigeon bead and a plot armor bead and a juniper tree bead and a trap door bead and a hairbrush bead. And you can get those at the newsolympian.com merch. It comes with a little twine so you can make it into a necklace as well. Those are back in stock. And I'm also happy to say that in addition to these being back in stock and having new items such as the Camp Regular Person shirts and the Pro Pigeon Podcast pins, we're also doing an extended Black Friday sale with our merch company. So basically everything that isn't new on the store is on sale. So whether you want to get stickers or digital live shows or posters or other shirts, all that stuff is on sale. So you can get some pretty sweet deals and maybe you're looking for a gift for the holidays. Hey, look, stuff at thenewslimpia.com slash merch could be pretty, pretty sweet. Also, just want a reminder that we've got four live shows in Texas coming up in December. You can go to thenewsolympian.com slash live to learn more about that. And also earlier, we mentioned the Patreon. I want to give a shout out to the folks who have joined our Patreon most recently. So shout out to our newest God tier patrons, Sydney Delawi Jones, Torin, Abigail Carruth, Roman Consul, Peter the Pigeon, and Hayden J. Osborne. And shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, Shinya, Jessica, Dave Chong, Kelly, Lydia, Annabeth's twin, the bluest Olympian, Katie Gorin. Timothy Walker, Meta, Tamara and Jordan, Janine H, Avery Henry, Xanth Joy, Apollo Diviana, Alexis Rose Smith, and Katie Source. As far as things relevant to this episode, there's a couple of times I mentioned not wanting to go into too much detail about the TV show because I'm trying to be a good SAG solidarity boy. We recorded this before the SAG strike was lifted. Obviously, it is lifted now, so the plan is to do episodes about the TV show. But at the time, I was trying to be a solidarity boy, so if that sounds confusing, that's because 
as the timeline of Earth exists. Now, if you're all caught up on the New Olympian and you're looking for new content to consume, I think you would really enjoy the stuff that we put up on the TNO Patreon. If you're already considering joining to watch that stream, you're also going to get access to a whole bunch of stuff. Depending on what tier you join, you get access to various things. You can get ad-free episodes that are up early. You can get director's commentary audio. You can get bonus audio episodes, bonus video episodes. You also get access to the exclusive Percy Later merch, the only Percy Later merch that exists, lives at the Patreon. You can get stickers and pins and it's all good stuff. So head on over to thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon and you can get access to a whole bunch of content that can hold you over in between episodes of TNO. Now we do have a new sponsor you'll hear about soon, Quince, a wonderful clothing brand. But before I wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few of those sponsors. One of them is Quince and there will be some other ones as well, potentially ones that are not read by me. Those are locally inserted. So if you live in France, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in French. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back into this episode of The New Olympian. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Quince. Let's say hypothetically that you are Percy Jackson and you are going home for the winter and you want to get some good holiday gifts for your family, maybe even yourself. It's cold in New York. You want something nice and warm. Maybe you want to get some quality cashmere at an affordable price and a lot of other good items. Where could you get those? You could get them with Quince. Quince creates timeless essentials that never go out of style. You will have them in your closet forever and they have all the cold weather must-haves like 100% Mongolian cashmere crewneck sweaters from $59, suede bomber jackets, and organic cotton sweaters. I recently got some Quince clothes and I love them. I got this new stretch sweater fleece shirt. It's kind of like a shirt jacket type thing. It's very soft. I love to use it as a layer. I'm a big layer boy. I like layering whether it's under a jacket or beneath a sweater. So this is a nice versatile piece for my collection. And then also speaking of gift giving, we were able to get some nice sweaters for our niece because they also have kids clothing. So they have so many wonderful things, men's clothing, women's clothing, kids clothing, stuff for your home and bedding. They truly have it all. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They partner directly with top factories, they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to you, the consumer. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. What is not to love? Make gift giving better this year with Quince. Go to quince.com slash newest Olympian for free shipping and 365 day returns on your order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash newest Olympian to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash newest Olympian. Check it out. And whether you're getting a gift for yourself or for your loved one this holiday season, Quince is the perfect place to do so today. This episode of the New Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, at Camp Half-Blood, they are cooking up a whole bunch of fun stuff at the cafeteria, but we never really hear about where they supply all of the things for the cafeteria. I'm not sure where they get their stuff, but you know where they should get their stuff? Thrive Market. Thrive can be your go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials, and it has been my go-to. I've got a bunch of stuff from Thrive now, and I genuinely enjoy all of it. I've got Thrive trash bags, dishwashing detergent, snacks, rice, beans, things that wash my dishes, like scrub brushes and stuff. They have a lot of really great deals. I've been capitalizing on those deals, and I have truly been enjoying using Thrive Market. I love a lot of things about Thrive. I love that they only allow trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And whether you are looking for organic kid snacks, high-protein essentials, whatever it is, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. They've got all these different filters and stuff like that, different categories. I utilize those. 
when I was looking for particular items, and it was really easy to navigate the site. I always have a simple time finding what I'm looking for. And it's not just saving time, I'm saving money as a Thrive Market member. I'm looking at my stats right now, my average savings per order are $34.98. On my last order, I saved almost $50, and I got a whole bunch of things for my pantry. I got hands-up refills, I got chicken broth, I got rice, I got beans, I got kitchen towels, it was great. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com slash TNO for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TNO, thrivemarket.com slash TNO, so you can be as well-stocked as the Camp Half-Blood cafeterias are today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. This episode of The News Olympian is brought to you by Straight River Coffee. If you've been listening to The News Olympian and you're thinking, my goodness, I would love to pair this podcast with a nice warm cup of joe, but not just any nice warm cup of joe, but specifically TNO branded coffee. Well, you are in luck because TNO coffee exists. That's right. We have partnered with Straight River Coffee, which is a small independent business that is made up of folks who listen to The News Olympian and we have teamed up to make TNO coffee. So there is a specific roast from Straight River for coffee called Anna Clues Roast. I came up with the name. I think it's very good. And you can get a one pound bag of coffee from them if you go to the slash merch. I'm not a coffee drinker, but multiple people have told me that the coffee tastes very good and smells incredible. And here's the description of the coffee from Straight River. Sourced from the finest fair trade beans, our collaborative blend boasts flavor notes of nutty caramel and rich chocolate, ensuring each sip transports you to a realm of excitement and wonder. It's cool. The bags were also made by an environmentally friendly bag company and the art design on the bags, which yes, is a pigeon drinking a cup of coffee. Those were made by another independent artist, Ava Hess, who does some incredible artwork as well. So it's a bunch of small businesses and independent creators teaming up to make this coffee happen. And it's really cool. And it also ships free internationally. So it doesn't matter if you live in the US or not the US. The price listed is the price. No extra shipping fees. It's super cool. And you can get a pound of this wonderful coffee delivered to you or multiple, I think. You, you can probably get more than one bag. I don't know. But go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch, scroll down, click the link about the coffee, and then boom, you can get some Anna Clues roast in your cup today. And then you can perfectly pair TNO coffee with your TNO podcast. All right. Hope everybody had a good intermission. I missed you all so dearly. I'm very excited to continue talking about this movie. So let's go. We last left Luke coming in. Flying in, getting Percy's attention. He flies in. He says that Percy wasn't supposed to make it out alive. And he says he can't let Percy take the bolt to Olympus because, and I quote, I'm the lightning thief. (laughs) We know, Luke. We know. This is the one that gets the straight to camera, I think. Uh, We gotta gotta have Luke looking straight to the camera and maybe winking, uh too. I'm the lightning thief. And everyone's like, yeah, we know. I feel like if this one was the only time they said the lightning thief, even that would feel egregious. Right. But because six times it is said in the film. Are you up to like seven or eight now? I counted six, but maybe I passed out from frustration. (laughs) 
and missed a couple. So Luke explains that he hid it in the shield because it was the perfect way to get the bolt to Hades. Percy uses the bolt like a lightsaber instead of a power bolt, and then Luke knocks it free and grabs it. Now, what actually happens in the book, Adam, is that Ares, who's like the main villain, tricks Percy into accidentally stealing the lightning bolt by having a backpack, and then it's in the backpack, and then he goes to the underworld, Mm -hmm. and then it almost gets sucked into Tartarus so that Kronos, the actual main villain, can have it. There's like a whole thing. Luke is part of this process as well, where the winged shoes are supposed to be cursed to help this all out. Like, he's Mm -hmm. like a henchman in it, but now he's just, like, stealing it. And it's just uh, just such a mess. Annabeth finally uses her trademark dagger, which is, like, her trademark thing. She Mm -hmm. uses it, like, at the very end of the film, finally. Percy then asks Luke why he wants a war with the gods. And Luke says, control. The gods have been in power for too long. I think it's time for our generation to take over and remold the world in our image. That's pretty good, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the modern world. But it's just like the most basic generic villain thing where it was just like, it was also like they Wikipedia villain motivations. And they were like, oh yeah, you know, take over the world because the people in power aren't as good. It's just so bad and lazy. Well, it's the same thing that... That uh, Hades just said. Right. It was like, control. And you're like, yeah, we get it. You all want control. It's so weird. It's like, Hades and Luke, you guys should have had a conversation because you guys both want the exact same thing. So why not team up? Kind of like how Luke teams up with <laughs> Ares and Kronos in the book when the people want the same thing. It's just so confusing and weird. So Luke has the bolt. He uses it for zapping, destroys a whole bunch of the observation deck of the Empire State Building, and then flies off. Percy puts on the winged shoes and chases after him. Luke is then about to zap a helicopter for seemingly no good reason. For fun! Uh, It doesn't even seem like it's a police helicopter that's like after him. I think it's just like a helicopter and he's like, yeah, why not? But then Percy tackles him midair. They fight a bit. Percy does skateboard down a building just on his sneakers, Mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Luke chases Percy through a building that's under construction, which does look like the building from The Dark Knight, (laughs) where the Joker's got everybody. (laughs) There is a part where Percy bursts through like a concrete wall, and I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) It was a a Kool-Aid-ass move. (laughs) Well, you see, Kool-Aid, you need water, so, you know, yeah. The dialogue in the fight scene was so bad, though. It's tough. It's like, I think I wrote down the exact wording. Percy says, it's too late. I'm returning the bolt to Zeus right now. And Luke says, not before midnight. Yeah. Which is what we established earlier is the deadline. (laughs) The solstice is happening at midnight. Surprised he didn't go that far. So yes, they go through this building that's under construction. Percy surprises him by smashing through a wall and then gets the bolt back. Luke then throws a dagger, like a throwing knife, and it slices off one of the shoe wings. And then Percy crashes onto the roof from the we're not so different you and I scene from (laughs) Spider-Man 1. I looked it up. It's not the exact same, but like the vibes are identical. <laughs> and then Luke arrives on this rooftop, picks up the bolt, and then Percy commands a water tower to explode. Just kidding. He commands five water towers to explode <laughs> because the bolt has fallen on the perfect roof, a roof surrounded by five roofs with water towers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> water towers are a thing on top of buildings in Manhattan, but I've never seen this much water tower density in one city block yeah. ever. 
It's absurd to me. It's honestly amazing he had the idea by himself and Poseidon wasn't like, hey, there's five water towers. Son, make sure you land on the building located directly near five water towers. <laughs> I stand corrected. The one thought he had was water towers. But yeah, I'm surprised yeah. Poseidon was like, Percy, those large wooden structures contain water. <laughs> God. And then Poseidon's like, but beware of the temple guards. <laughs> yeah, he's all back. <laughs> now go to the shrine of the silver monkey. <laughs> nothing scarier than those dudes who steal. No, the, no, nothing no, scarier. No, yeah. Luke arrives, picks up the bull, Percy commands the water, and then the, all the water rushes at Luke. And it is actually a pretty cool shot of... Percy making the water surround him and then making it break apart and then in the breaking of the two waters like Moses you see the Empire State Building rising like it's pretty cool but it is pretty cool but he does take again like five minutes to gather up all this water and Luke's just standing there with the lightning bolt like he's uh -huh. never seen lightning before and doesn't know what to do with it <laughs> yeah there's a lot of because in the beginning in the Medusa thing we've got like Percy waiting for 12 minutes while all of the statues fall over <laughs> there's a lot of like waiting while scary thing happens and then no one doing anything right. but even beyond that they have I think isn't it like 10 minutes to midnight when they start this fight like it yeah. does take a long time for them to do this like like it could be something where, you know, they do this whole fight, Percy gets back, and then Sally's like, oh no, it's 12.01. <laughs> and then Luke's like, yeah, I held him off for 11 minutes. <laughs> Percy then makes a water trident show up, and then he chucks it at Luke, and it like catches him in between the neck without like piercing him. He's thankfully, his neck is perfectly the size of in between two of the prongs. Thankfully? <laughs> I guess, thankfully, I, I feel bad for... I just imagine Luke as, like, the actor, and I'm like, oh, God, this guy didn't ask to be in this. <laughs> but he gets, like, shot into the water. I guess he drowns. So, like, there's, there's yeah. no way... Uh, it, it seems like that trident is just going to continue downward. But he ends up in the river. Percy grabs the bull. Thankfully, they have two minutes, so the fight took eight. And <laughs> Sally also, thankfully, knows the secret combo of breaker switches to get to Olympus? There's no way. There's no way she would know that. I don't know. Unless Poseidon brought her and told her, I'm not sure. In the books, you have to go in the elevator in the lobby, and the security guard is actually like a Greek person mm -hmm. who has to like suss you out and then can let you go up with right. like an access card. But this is just like, yeah, if you kind of switch some switches around, sure. But also, where is any of the security on the Empire State Building? <laughs> like, even just regularly, you would think there would be some sort of security there. But Eight minutes have elapsed since the whole observation deck just, like, got destroyed yeah. by yeah. repeated bolts of lightning. There's no helicopter. There's no police presence. There's no security guard. And there's no, like, door lock on this door on the roof. There's just nothing. Yeah. Also, didn't this film come out, like, 2010? Yeah, 2010. This is post-9-11. Oh, my yeah, God. Like, just no, no security no anywhere. No, yeah. nothing. Nothing. Just nothing at all. Go on. Go yeah, on. Yep. Maybe so. uh, her mom whispered the code to her. Oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Sally's I mean, mom was like, oh, left, left, right, left, right, up, right, down, yeah. A, B. Yeah. <laughs> or Zeus, uh, Zeus was like, Poseidon, you gotta stop telling your girlfriends how to get into. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, yeah, that's why they were told they couldn't go back down there anymore. Exactly. Maybe the Marauders map said it. <laughs> it was like. <laughs> Just shows a picture of the breakers with them circled. So they take the elevator up to Olympus. Of course, Sally can't leave the elevator because it is the same magic that controls the gate to Camp Half-Blood where she's just stuck in the elevator. I hope she's not claustrophobic. <laughs> So she can't go. Percy and Annabeth proceed, and then they come upon... But this is another moment uh -huh. where they're like, 
two minutes. We've got two minutes oh, to get right. there. They get out of the elevator and there's like this whole winding path. <laughs> there's like the steps from Rocky. Yeah. They yeah. like, they can't, there's no way they get up there in two minutes. There's that fudge guy from Candyland along the path. <laughs> So they come upon all of the gods arguing until Zeus Bean silences them. And then uh, he's played by Sean Bean in the film. Um, so then Percy and Annabeth arrive just as the weird funky clock strikes 12. And they have the giant small CGI going on where they're supposed to be 10 feet tall. I don't understand. And I guess it's because the better movie used practical effects. But like, how is the CGI from this movie, which came out in 2010, significantly worse than Lord of the Rings, where they do big and small and stuff? Like, it's so unbelievable. And it's a 2010 film. Like, it should look a little bit better than, like, Mike TV from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. It's really bad. <sighs> so they have that going on. And then, just when you thought they weren't done, Zeus says, Give me the bolt, lightning thief. <laughs> Gross. That's the lightning thief to you. <laughs> Percy says he didn't steal it. It was Luke, and he clarifies Luke, son of Hermes. And when he does, everyone turns to look at Hermes at the same time, and then Hermes gives this look where he kind of goes, Luke? Well, that doesn't ring a bell. Luke. <laughs> yeah, counting. Like Luke is... Which one is he again? I don't remember. Percy explains that Luke wanted them to destroy themselves, and then all the gods instantly are like, oh, wow, yeah, I get it. Oh, I see the error of our ways. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, we were about to do that yeah. um, one minute ago. That yeah. was the plan. <laughs> Zeus is proud of Percy and then calls for peace. Athena is proud of Annabeth. Percy asks Zeus if he can save Grover, and Zeus agrees, though he is kind of sassy about it. Then Poseidon asks to be able to speak to Percy, and Zeus says, just this once. It's like, joke's on you. I talk to Percy all the time. <laughs> That's hilarious. It reminds me of that the John Mulaney joke about like the law and order judge who allows everything. Yeah, uh -huh. I'll allow it. <laughs> but just this once. Yeah. What is extra frustrating about this scene I've already talked about the confusion of like, in theory, Ares is here, but also all of the Greek gods are just wearing normal Greek armor. And in the movie, they all have these fun vibes, like Poseidon is a fisherman and Zeus wears a cool pinstripe suit. We don't get any of that. They're just all wearing like the same. They don't Greek have the cool armor. chairs either. I wanted right. to see the cool chairs. Yeah, Poseidon has like a fishing chair. Hephaestus is all like tinkery and stuff. Like they all have thematic chairs. What is a fishing chair? Like, uh, <laughs> I've Great gone fishing question. one time in my life. <laughs> I caught a minnow and a leaf. That was it. <laughs> nice. It's a good, that's a good haul. Yeah, well, I'll take it. It, was, it, fed, it fed me for weeks. <laughs> but like one of those like chairs that's like plushy in like a boat for fishing. Okay, where it's okay. like got like the you yeah. know, the cup holder and then the, the rod holder. I'm really good at fishing in Stardew though. <laughs> um, and in Hades, the video game, uh, where I lean in a millimeter from my computer <laughs> to get the right thing. Now, Poseidon then tells Percy that he is grateful. And Percy goes, I didn't do it for you. I did it for mom. And then he walks off. Then Poseidon does his water power thing to talk to Percy at like regular size because that'll get to him. <laughs> and then Poseidon tells Percy, oh, I want to talk to you more. Percy asks, how old was I when you left? And Poseidon says, seven months. And Percy says, 
look, I didn't need you here all the time, but I would have liked to have had seen you, you know, at least once. And this is like, I think the only time in the entire film that Logan Lerman, whether he's allowed to or was directed to or the script called for it, but it's like the only time he shows emotion. And we made fun of it in the last show, but he's not that sad about Sally dying. He's just kind of like, oh man, whoa, camp. But... (laughs) Here, at least, like, this was, like, the closest he got to, like, expressing genuine emotion. And it made me wish for more of that, whether that is direction or scripting, whatever it is. Like, I wanted more of this because there's just there's just no emotion. Like, every dialogue is just plot, 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 plot. It's really frustrating. It's hard to believe, really, any of the relationships in the movie. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, there's no chemistry between Percy and Chiron. There's no love between Percy and Annabeth. There's not even the Annabeth and Luke backstory, which is like Mm -hmm. a whole thing where they have this like really emotional backstory. Grover as well. So like Grover's supposed to be friends with Annabeth. Yeah, instead of that Luke Annabeth like emotional backstory, she's immediately like, that guy put the lightning bolt (laughs) in the shield. (laughs) She just throws him under the bus immediately. (laughs) Never liked him. Yeah. Uh, Also like Grover and Annabeth are supposed to be friends and in this movie like it is not clear if they like each other or not. Grover knows who she is, but that is it. It's so Well, she knows she feels strongly about him, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know if it's positive or negative quite yeah. yet. I hate how many quotes from this movie I know now. Like it's really yeah. it's really bad. I like have I dated your daddy. <laughs> so bad. Uh, but shout out to Uma Thurman. She was great. Yeah, Uma, she Thurman. Was so Uma Thurman good. rips. So good. so good. So he says it would have been nice just to see you at least once. Poseidon says that he couldn't stay because when he was with Sally, he forgot about his responsibilities and he was becoming human. And that is why Zeus passed the law, which is just not how it is. I've explained to you like the real reasoning. The and collective it's just, uh, sigh. This happened. It wasn't even a sigh. There was like a harumph. <laughs> groans from the audience. It's, it's just bad. It just feels like the whole movie... They're just afraid to make Poseidon complex in any way. In the book, they still do a pretty good job of being like, the gods suck as a whole. Poseidon is like the best of them, but he still kind of sucks too. Or at least he has like his not great elements. But it just feels like they were terrified of making Percy's dad not just like a perfect, lovable character the whole time. And they have to just keep doing these things where like on the drive to Camp Half-Blood, which you pointed out to me on our drive home, they never establish that it's in Long Island. They never say where <laughs> no. it is at all. No. They just drive there, so you have to be like, well, I guess it's somewhere near New York. They never say it. And then they have the hills of Vancouver in the background. <laughs> Who knows where that is? Oh, gosh. But they're just so afraid to make Poseidon any sort of bad. Sally keeps hyping them up the whole movie. They're, they're doing this. The whole decree was just because of Poseidon and only Percy. Like, they barely even talk about how they have a bunch of kids and stuff. Like, there's one mention in the Met, and that's about it. Uh, they just didn't want to, like, take any risk of anyone feeling any emotion in the film. <laughs> Uh, I, no. felt, I felt angry watching yeah, it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Poseidon says that he was always watching over Percy and he always will. But I guess he only spoke to Percy in the past week yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And not even at every single moment in the past week. And Percy's like, you, you mean like always, always? <laughs> even that one time? <laughs> <laughs> so then they shake hands and we cut back to Camp Half-Blood. We've got Sally walking Percy to the entrance, but not walking in because she can't. 
and she says to Percy that he can visit whenever. They don't really establish how long he's going to stay there. Is it just the rest of the summer? Is he there forever now? Who cares? <laughs> Percy just requests that he never has to see Smelly Gabe again. And Sally says that she kicked him out and he's gone and out of their lives forever. And I don't think that this is the actress's fault because the actress is in some other great stuff. She's the mom in Get Out and is chilling. Like, she's fantastic. But all of her lines are just, they're just so bad. She just like so plainly is like, he's out of our lives forever. (laughs) And like earlier in the movie, Chiron tells Percy, he's like, oh yeah, your mom's only dating that terrible guy because he smells so bad. Yeah. And Percy's like, man, I wish I knew that and could thank my mom. And then later in the movie, he's like, mom, I hope that guy's gone. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing, and maybe I just don't understand this part of the story, it's like, are we to believe that now nothing will ever be a threat to him again so he doesn't need that protection anymore? The correct answer is no. Like, Percy right. is constantly at threat of dying all the time. That's why yeah. he keep going to camp and continually training, even though he just saved the world. Like, in the books, it's like, cool, you saved the world. You got to get back in the arena, my guy, because, yeah, like, you're yeah, going to yeah. fight scarier things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right to think that. But, no, they don't explain anything. They don't even really explain the whole monsters thing, except for the one line where Chiron's like, oh, all bits are off once you get out of the gates. Uh, <laughs> just so frustrating. So 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 frustrating so she says this Percy then hugs Sally in the same way that he hugged Annabeth in Nashville feels kind of weird like mom hug and girl I like hug being the same hug I don't know about that one yeah those are different hugs then Percy goes in one guy one person one the number one in parentheses one congratulates Percy when he arrives that is it In the book, they have like a whole party for him because he did just save the world. But everyone else, they're just training along and everything. And then one guy says, oh, nice job, Percy. (laughs) Grover has his horns now. Percy then approaches Chiron and Chiron goes, you left the camp. You disobeyed my orders. I really wanted to say, you deliberately disobeyed me. (laughs) You disobeyed my orders. And that is why you are my favorite student couple of problems here. One, definitely not his favorite student. He's been cold at best to you the whole film. Two, Chiron doesn't have students. I guess except for at Yancey Academy when he's Mr. Brunner or Mr. Bruner depending on what part of the movie you're watching. (laughs) But also Percy is his favorite. Like, yeah, he kind of He wore headphones during his big lecture. (laughs) That's your favorite student? (laughs) I realize though what he's doing. Chris Columbus has just turned Chiron into Dumbledore. Like, Mm. that's all it is. Talks in weird, vague stuff, doesn't want to show favoritism, but clearly has his favorite. Like, he's just Dumbledore in this movie. It's really, really funny. I also, like, I know that Luke was bad, and presumably everybody else knows that by now, but it's wild to me that, like, you just murder a classmate and then just go back to camp. (laughs) (laughs) No one says anything about it. Well, he was the The lightning lightning thief. That's true, he was, yeah. Chiron goes on basically saying that you can have all the training in the world, but you must follow your instincts, which is not really like a Chiron sentiment ever in the book. So it's just really weird and strange. But yeah, it's just weird that he keeps calling them students because it's not that. They're campers. Mr. D's not here. It's a mess. It's a mess. (laughs) 
Annabeth is back having the exact same fight scene from the beginning of the movie where there's five guys around her. Like, she even knows some of the exact same fight choreography. I think they just took some of the footage. It could be, oh, yeah. They, yeah. Shot these yeah. Back to back. yeah. they shot that back to back. They shot Percy getting in the camp back to back because the people firing the arrows are in the exact same spot. Like, yeah, Percy in the pool, one shoot day. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether it's the motel or the school. Yeah, yeah, everything was just, like, done in one shot. And then they have the same fight scene, and then after she beats everybody up, she then asks, who's next? And then Percy raises his hand saying, I'd like to give it a shot, which is like kind of a cool, fun, like one of the rare moments where Percy Jackson acts like the character Percy Jackson. <laughs> this is also something that I watched it the first time. In this movie, Percy tells zero jokes. Like he doesn't say yeah. anything humorous except for being confused about Riptide being a pen. That is it. Like yeah. I think the only like attempted funny thing he says is this is a pen, this is a pen. <laughs> Nothing is funny. There's no comedic moments. Percy Jackson, a famously funny character, yeah. says no jokes. Nothing. Ugh, gosh. Well, we can't have jokes or emotion in this movie. Right, 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 right. That's true. All the jokes are Grover. No one else can tell a joke. So she welcomes Percy home and then fakes in going for a kiss. And I was screaming yeah. at my TV the first time I watched this, hoping that they wouldn't kiss. Because, you know, as them being a teenage love thing, it's always like, well, they won't, they will, they won't. They right. and it piles on for books and books and books. Mm -hmm. And when they finally do, it's this wonderful moment. So if they did it here, I was going to just, I was going to like break the yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah. Plus, why, why kiss when you can end the film with a horribly choreographed fight scene? <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah, it is a fake out move so that she can steal his sword. I'm very happy that they didn't kiss, but then yeah, it's just like a really long zoom out. Like a really slow, long Vancouver zoom out. Also, this is like long enough ago that there might not have been drones. Like they might have paid for a helicopter for that, <laughs> yeah. for that yeah. shot. Oh, so yeah, they really, really drag it out. The fight choreography is pretty tough. And then they fade to credits, but there is an after credits scene. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Wow. So there is an after credits scene. And it's Smelly Gabe coming in, and Sally has already put his stuff into boxes, which is arguably way too nice if you're oh, kicking yeah. someone out. Yeah. She's put all his stuff into boxes, and then he goes, well, I'm going to move this myself. And then she goes, I don't know, figure it out. And then she leaves. But then he wants to have a beer, and he goes over to the fridge, which does have a lock on it. And then there's a note on it from Percy that says, do not open ever under any circumstances, whatever. And then Smelly Gabe says something like, I may be moving out, but I'm still king of this castle. Yeah. Which is like, you are decidedly Ugh. not. <laughs> but then he breaks the padlock off. Like, what, I, what, where, what padlock did Percy get? This is not yeah. a very strong padlock. Just breaks it clean off and then goes in. And then the Medusa head, even though no one lifts up the sunglasses, open eyes, open mouth, and then turns him into rock. In case you don't get it after it fades to black, there's like five seconds of rock crackling mm -hmm. noise yeah. mm -hmm. just in case. Just in Ju case. I'm surprised the Poseidon voice didn't go, Smelly Gabe turned to rock. <laughs> <laughs> but what well, really? Like, oh, sorry. Why would you put it in there like that what is why well, was it a lure for, for Gabe like did he know that Gabe would come in and then say I'm so, gonna get in the so fridge here's anyway. what sucks Adam <laughs> yeah you are on the same page as Rick Riordan the guy who wrote the book Sally Jackson in the scene where Percy's like are you gonna get rid of smelly Gabe Sally basically tells Percy I murdered smelly Gabe <laughs> yeah. with the head yeah in the book when they have the head 
Percy uses like the Hermes delivery service because Hermes is the god of the messengers. Mm -hmm. He uses the delivery service to mail the head to the gods and he writes a note like from Percy Jackson. Like it's this whole sassy thing. It's great. Uh, right? Or does, does that make sense? Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how does the head get back to them? Return to center. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Return yeah. to center. That's so good. Gosh. So they get the head back and then I believe like Percy gives it to Sally so that she can do this. Yeah. He's like, hey, mom, if you felt like murdering your husband, boy, do I have a gift for you. And then at the very end, he like she basically is like, I don't think Gabe will be giving us problems anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then the statue. Things have been a bit rocky. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. She then turns him into a statue. She then sells the statue oh. for a bunch of money and then uses that money to go back to school because she left school early. And she becomes Chiron's new favorite student. <laughs> But yeah, it's this whole thing where she has like all this agency because even in the you know yeah. in the book she is a bit timid and doesn't want to you know like do these kind That's of things. That's such a better to, story. It's incredible. Yeah. It makes her this like such a powerful mother. Like the whole book is a better oh, story. I'm sure. I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm gathering that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, Sally is one of the greatest characters and she's just such a good mother and time and time again they prove it and then they just show like by the end of the movie like she's a badass. Like it's so cool that yeah. she does this. But instead it just is like this accidental thing and of course Percy had to do because he's the main character. It just really stinks. It really, really stinks. And on that stinky note, that is the end of the film. Yay. <laughs> oh boy. Now... This is the end of us covering the movie for now on this episode. If you're listening, podcast people, we're going to have another little break and then we'll get into Q&A. Hey, it's Mike just taking another break here because this is a longer episode. You'll hear some more of those ads, some of them that are going to be read by me and others of them that won't be and the ones that aren't are inserted locally. And once these ads are complete, we'll conclude this episode of TNO with a very, very fun q and I'm excited for you all to hear that. So let's get on to the ads and then on to that. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by G Adventures. Let's say hypothetically that you are the Olympians and you just saved the world and you want to travel somewhere, but you don't really know what to do. You don't like to plan stuff. You just want someone to do it for you. Well, G Adventures can help. They offer over 600 small group trips around the world. And hey, maybe you're looking to travel and meet a new group of people because your siblings that you hang out with all the time aren't fun to be around. Well, they have trips that you can do and you can meet other people on these trips because they are focused on community tourism and you can pick a trip based on whatever style you're looking for, maybe something more active or maybe something more relaxing. And now is a great time to check out G Adventures because they have a cyber sale going on up until November 30th, 2023, which is very soon. You can save up to 30% on a huge collection of their most adventure-packed tours with travel that leaves before April 30th, 2024. Now, if you want to travel a little later, you can save 10% on adventures that leave between May 1st and June 30th of 2024. To check that out, you just go to www.gadventures.com slash cyber dash sale. That's G, the letter G, adventures.com slash cyber hyphen sale. And you can either save 30% or 10% depending on what type of trip you take. So if you are looking for a celebratory trip to commemorate the world being saved definitely by just you and not some snot-nosed demigod punk or anything like that, and you want to get away from your hectic family, check out G-Adventures today. Let's get into some Q&A because people sent some fantastic, fantastic questions. So this one is from Simon. Simon says in the subject line, <laughs> what? Ah! 
I didn't even, I didn't even. I'm sorry, Simon, I'm sure you've got that your whole life and it's not funny. Simon writes, uh, hi, Shoops. Thank you for having this amazing show. If you and Adam were Patreon supporters of TNO and Horse, what would your puntastic usernames be? Thank you for signing the jersey, Simon, a.k.a. Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls. So Simon is one of our producer-level patrons on Horse and has the Horse jersey. There's a running bit where people make their names puns of the basketball variety. So if we had to make basketball puns, if we were sponsoring our own show on Patreon, which would not be smart because Patreon takes a cut. um, (laughs) If we were sponsoring our own show, what kind of basketball pun would you go with? I would go with uh, Pippin Ain't Easy. Pippin ain't easy. Chicago yeah. Bulls, Scotty Pippin yeah. reference. Yeah, yeah. I uh, oh, what would I do? There's so many Knicks options. Um, I, I'll do what I what I named my fantasy basketball team this year. There's a guy in the Knicks named uh, Josh Hart, H A R T, and there's this old thing that was like a meme. You can watch the YouTube video of it where there's a there's a race horse that was called Hoof. Hearted. So when the horse was running and going, they would just go hoof hearted, hoof hearted, hoof hearted. <laughs> so my fantasy basketball team name this season is hoof hearted, but H A R T E D. So it's a pun and a Knicks pun. So I think I would make it hoof hearted, and then every episode we'd have to say hoof hearted. <laughs> nice. I like it. Oh, yeah. So thank you for your question. Thank you for supporting the show on Patreon. Okay. Uh, now this one is from Maya, all caps, subject line, NJ baby living in the city. (laughs) Maya says, hi, I'm originally from New Jersey and I'm loving New York City. Thought that was cool. Anyway, two questions. If you could make a basketball team with any one of the movie cast, who would you pick and why? So if we are going to make a basketball roster out of the movie specific people. Now movie cast, are we going with the actors or the characters? I was okay, the actors. Great. Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Great. I the was going to go with Grover because uh, he he the goat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. He also might be a good pick because he is ripped in this yeah, movie. Yeah. 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 <sighs> Can I pick Uma Thurman as the coach? <laughs> That's good. I feel like she'd be uh, the acting that she does is the only good acting in the movie. So I feel like she could give good motivational speeches. Mm. Do you have any sort of basketball pick? Uh, it's hard noted because basketball I was, fan Sequoia. Um, yeah, noted basketball fan. Um, I the, I wanted it to be the characters because then you okay. just choose all of the gods because they're so they're tall. So tall. And yeah. it's like they're like the monsters. Like monsters, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's good. Exactly. Okay, no, I like it. I like it. All right, so this one comes from Janae. Janae says, "Hi, Mike. Love the pod. Hate the movie. Since you brilliantly <laughs> called the use of Riptide the song in the TV show, what scenes are you excited to see, and what songs would you pair them with?" So I'm not really sure. Again, don't want to talk too much about the show because I want to be good sag boy. But I will just say, I hope they actually use the songs that Grover references in the book. Yes. Like Hillary Duff. There's a Hillary Hillary Duff Duff reference. (laughs) Yeah. There's so Yesterday by Hillary Duff. And then I believe Jesse McCartney's song, Beautiful Soul, maybe, is in there. So. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love if if those found their way in. That check got started real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, they took it right up. That felt like a very friendly cult all of a sudden. <laughs> right. This one is from Emily. Emily says, hey, Mike, as a native New Yorker, I appreciate your near native knowledge about New York geography. If you had to pick another location for Camp Half-Blood, where would you place them and what would their source of income be? So in the books... Camp Half-Blood yeah. is in Long Island, and it makes their money getting right. strawberries. Emily, are you saying another New York location or just anywhere else in the world? Anywhere. Anywhere in the world. Okay. I so. would pick Vancouver, but it would look like Long Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
very good. That's very good. What would they sell yeah, to, to get the money? LARR cards. Okay, yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> if you could put it anywhere, somewhere else, and then they're going to sell stuff. I could put it maybe in Texas just to pay homage to Uncle Rick's roots, and then maybe mm. they sell, like, various pepper-based things. Kolaches. So, like, peppers, ooh, kolaches, hot sauce, stuff like that. It could just be, like, all, you know, spicy food-related items. Wait, so is, is Camp Half-Blood like a money laundering scheme? <laughs> They just uh, say that they all the money's from strawberries? Well, they, they use the strawberries. It's like a front. It's like when mortals see it, they just see a bunch of strawberry fields. Oh, so like it's the like garden part. gnome location with Medusa? Like, it's not actually... Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's like this magical thing where people can't actually see what it is, mm-hmm. and, and the strawberries also help fund the camp. So Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. not fully money laundering, but maybe. I feel, it feels weird to go hometown, but I'd go back to Utah, Park City, because I'd want to see, like... Winter sports Ooh, camp half blood. That's fun. Snowboard yeah, fighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do they sell besides the good word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> that, they sell really <laughs> specific underwear. They sell uh, low ABV beer. That's yeah. what they sell. Uh-huh. There it is. Okay, this one is from Adina. Adina says, hi, everyone. Love the live show. Super fun. I just want to know about Sequoia's earrings. What's on your earrings, Sequoia? (laughs) I've been getting a lot of compliments on these earrings in the hallway. Um, They are vintage game pieces. They look kind of like dominoes, but they're not dominoes. They're from a game. I can't tell you what the game is called, but you... Because of legal reasons. Because of legal reasons, not because of legal reasons. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, they're game pieces. So go to your local thrift store, pick up a game that's missing pieces so it can't be played anymore, and just make all the pieces into earrings. That's very cool. That is very cool. Come here for the tips. That's what they came here for. <laughs> Can we not sleep on the shirt, though? It's a great shirt. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anybody? The shoes? Anybody? Anybody? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The whole outfit. Thank uh, don't, you. don't push it now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Gotta dress up for the podcast show, <laughs> says the boy who puts way too much thought into his outfits every time. All right, this one is from... Don't forget about Oh, yeah, this. of course, of course. Gotta look good. <laughs> I'm already, like, feeling self-conscious on stage where it's, like, kind of hot in the room and I'm sweating a little bit. My hair product's coming out. I'm like, oh, I should have put in more hair product. They can, hear, they can hear it right now. They can uh, hear your yeah, hair. Yeah, people listening are like, what sounds weird about this podcast <laughs> from minute 48 on? Uh. This one uh, is from The Damn Bookworm. Uh, says, New York Live Show, happy 100th episode. Hi, Mike. If you had read the books as a kid, what godly parent do you think you would have had slash wanted? I feel like as a kid, I probably would have really wanted Poseidon just because I would have thought Percy was super cool and I would have wanted to be just like him. Do you guys, since none of us read them as kids, you can all answer this one. If you had read it as a kid, is there a particular Greek god you'd be like, yeah, I want that one? I think I would have wanted to say Athena because I would have wanted to relate to Annabeth. Sure. Um, But... Oh, man. I know that, like, when I did my episode of the show, I said Aphrodite. Mm -hmm. And I think that might have been true then Mm -hmm. as well. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. You? I'm not sure. Okay. Think about it later. I don't know enough about Greek gods to not sound dumb. (laughs) (laughs) This one is from, is it Jason? Jason? Okay. I had a friend who went by Jason, but spelled the same way. Um, Right. um, American people have trouble pronouncing it right. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I just go by a variety of versions. 
Right. So I, I, this was my buddy Jasal, and I used to, I used to play basketball with him, and he would, I would call him Paul Jasal because there's a <laughs> Paul Gasol, and I called him this for like two years, and then we were like in a meeting, and he like told someone his name, and he was like, oh, yeah, I am Jasal, and I was like, I've been calling you Jasal for two years. <laughs> you gotta tell me this. Anyway, uh, and he's the, like, no offense taken, Mike Schubert. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll take it. So the email says, hi, Mike, love the podcast. As someone who does not like pigeons, but does like yoga, I'm going to offer an olive branch and challenge you to do the pigeon pose attached here. Oh. So there is a yoga pose called pigeon pose. I am not particularly flexible. Here's the photo, and I will try to do my best rendition. This is going to sound great on the podcast. I am filming Visual it. Visual so. bits. So let's see. You've got your left leg back here, and then you've got your right one kind of like down, and then you've got like this up, and then your other hand. I think sticking your tongue out is part of the yeah, pose as well. Yeah. I, the first time I ever did yoga, I, I was just of the belief, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just like stretching. Uh, so one of my buddies was like a yoga teacher. So I, they were like, oh, if you come to my class, it'll be free because he was like getting his licensing. So I was like, oh, cool. I'll go to the gym, do like a leg day, and then I'll do yoga after. It'll be good to stretch. No, you will not. No, No, dude. the hell you won't. Oh, it was bad. I did a really intense squat day, and then I just got murdered by <laughs> poses for an hour while the person was like, find your inner eye. And I was like, I want to find the exit door. <laughs> rough. Super rough. All right, this one is from Katie and Kelsey. Says, hey Mike, Sequoia, and Adam. We're so excited to be here. It's our first live show, and Kelsey, my sister, is visiting from Vail, Colorado. Uh -huh. mm. Given Sean Bean's cinematic history of what seems like the most on-screen deaths, 24, <laughs> how should he as Zeus have been killed off in The Lightning Thief? I would have loved when Luke throws the dagger to slice the wing off of Percy's winged shoes. If it just like somehow, if they were high enough, like it just was like, <laughs> and gets Zeus, it would have been good. Do you guys have uh, Sean Bean deaths planned out? It's like, it's the first scene of the movie. He's like explaining what's going on. He's like, my lightning bolt has been stolen. And he just trips and falls off the side of the Sapphire State Building. <laughs> Sean Bean death? I don't have a good one. That was a good one. I'll okay. go along. <laughs> this one is uh, subject line, NY show question from the best donut podcast, and it is from monsterdonutpodcast at gmail.com. So I'm assuming Emily from Monster Donut, who's here. And all it says is, did you know that the poker face needle drop is actually the most iconic part of that movie and has haunted me for years after seeing it in theaters? <laughs> correct, correct, correct. Uh, so this is from Jennifer, subject line, Brooklyn is nice too, I swear. <laughs> It is. Shout out to Brooklyn. I make fun. I make fun of you a lot, but I'm glad you're here. If you if you found a way to take seven trains to get here, it was only three. That's too many. Too many. So email says, "Hi, Mike. First off, I watched both The Lightning Thief and The Sea of Monsters because of this show. So expect a therapy bill to your email soon." <laughs> Speaking of the Sea of Monsters movie, are you planning on covering it? And if so, do you have any predictions for what happens? Do you have any predictions for the major creative rewriting, in quotes? <laughs> so yeah, I will watch it. We'll do another patron stream, maybe with like a different roster to just like not subject my, my same friends to more torture. Uh, but I'll do, another, I'll do another stream type thing and then I'll cover it on the podcast. And as far as like predictions, I know it is the second film, but also the last one that they do. So I'm imagining they're just going to like try to get a bunch of stuff from later in the series. So like, I assume they're going to shoehorn Kronos in there somehow. I have no idea how, and I feel like it's going to be a thing. I wouldn't even be surprised if like 
there's no Polyphemus, but they still have to like get the fleece to stop Kronos for some reason, where it's like, if we get the golden fleece, it saves the world. So I just feel like it's going to be like two very disjointed things where it's like the setup of book two and then the conclusion of book five. Say right? the, the, really the fleece? The, so like the, an old navy? Yeah. It's a zip up. Yeah, they get it oh, okay. on the back to school sale. Um, but no, you have to get like the golden fleece. But it like, is made for performance. <laughs> you have to get the golden fleece and it's this like other thing. But like the second book is of all of them, as far as the big plot, like the least relevant to the big plot. So for mm. them to like shoehorn the major overarching plot to like the most side questy of the books is going to be bizarre. And I, I can wait to watch it, but <laughs> it'll be interesting. Uh, this one is from Terry, subject line Mercer County at NYC show. Mercer County boys here. Yeah. We're very happy. So Terry says, as a native New Jerseyan, how do you navigate New York City without going the wrong way or lost? Uh, the streets are numbered. Uh, <laughs> I will, there, there's like a gradual step that I went through when I first moved here. It was like, first you yeah. learn like, oh, right, uptown trains go up and downtown right. trains go south, right, yeah. And yeah. then you learn like, oh, that's what Brooklyn bound is. Then right. you get to the next step of like, I know which exit in the subway oh, to yeah, get off of. The, like, oh, right. these stairs are the best yeah. ones. Then the next step after that is like, I know where in the line of the train, like I know oh, which yeah. car yeah. to go in because it's closest to the exit I need. Usually whenever I'm lost, my, uh, my dad just whispers directions into my subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> no, Adam, avenues go north and south, streets go east and west. <laughs> First, second, third, Lexington. <laughs> And then follow-up question. Any good pizza recommendations after the show, or should I wait until tomorrow for something like De Lorenzo's? Definitely go to De Lorenzo's. It's the best pizza place yeah. in the world. But if you got to go to New York, Scars and Prince Street are my favorite. They're not paying me to save this, so we'll move on. Because there's also, real quick, there's a great mm -hmm. place by Penn Station for anyone who's like taking the train back. Uh -huh. It's called NY Pizza Suprema. It's like by across from the library. Very good. Okay. Yeah. That has been pizza time. Uh, <laughs> Pizza time. All right, this one is from Lex. Lex says, hi, Mike Sequoia and Adam. Huge fan, obviously. I'm wondering what 2010s era song you would have included in this oh. waste of 20th Century Fox's money. <laughs> and what 2000s era song you will be mildly offended if it is not in the Disney Plus show. Mm, okay. Yeah, so we got a 2010s song, I guess like late uh, 2000s yeah. to be in the movie. Let me there was just, a shocking lack of flow rider in this film. Uh, <laughs> that would have been very of its time. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm just going to Google the 2009 Billboard Hot 100. Thank you. Wow, number one, <laughs> boom, boom, pow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two, Poker Face. So yeah, all right. right so right, right, right. here's what we've got. Uh, it's just some options. Boom Boom Pow, Poker Face, Just Dance, I Got a Feeling, Love Story, Right Round by Flo Rida. So there's your pick. I'm Yours by Jason Mraz, Single Ladies, put a ring on it in parentheses. Heartless, Gives You Hell, You Belong With Me, uh, Dead and Gone, You Found Me, Use Somebody. Oh, that would be a funny oh. one. Right after, <laughs> they go, Luke used us. <laughs> you gotta use somebody. Somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Blame It by Jamie Foxx and T-Pain. Wow, wow, 2009, some bangers. As far as, I don't know if you have one that you would want in the movie. Uh, not particularly. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, oh, no, here's my answer. I didn't realize, how is this 29? Party in the USA was only 29? I would have 
that party in the USA play after Capture the Flag and they're having the big bonfire with the or random old guy roasting a pig? When they got to the Hollywood sign. Yes, yeah, yeah, God, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 100%. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I actually do. That's one thing I do love about the movie is that like hell is just in LA, like underneath yeah, that's the in the book too. Yeah, yeah. that does. It's, that's it's in out, like yeah. Santa Monica. Um, oh man, there's also fire burning by Sean Kingston. Mm. That would be pretty oh, good gosh. when they go to hell. Like they're in that boat. Do 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 do. As far as mid two thousand songs I want in the movie, I don't know if it'll actually show up. But if Calibria two thousand six gets played at any point, I will lose my. I mind. don't know that song. No, what, what guys? What guys, are you talking about? Guys. It's also potentially Calibria 2007, depending on... No, God, oh, wow. okay, no gonna, one knows what you're talking about. I'm going to play this, and then maybe I'll delete it out of the podcast so I don't get copyrighted. But it's... Hold on. This is... Oh, my gosh. Come on, everybody. By Anur? Come on. Calibria 2007. You'll know it. Okay. But none of us know it this by name. Rules. Uh, you, you, uh, how do you not? This I don't was, know. When we, when Kelly and I had our wedding, we let our DJ like mostly do the thing, but we had like five like must play mm-hmm. songs. I was like, you have to play Calibria 2007. <laughs> I want them to play that as they show up at the Lotus Casino. Like just like, bah, yeah. Bah, 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 bah. yeah, that or Sandstorm. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I don't need, I don't need Sandstorm. <laughs> I want the Calibria. Do you have any mid two thousand songs you're hoping that show up in the uh, TV show? Uh. I was just going to start chanting Hillary Duff. I mean, hey, that's good. I, I have. <laughs> I mean, but what about Haley Duff? <laughs> no. She's a part of the songs. She does some yeah, of the yeah, tracks. Yeah. All right, this one is from Anne. Anne says, Hi, I'm Anne. Is it Anne Shirty? Cool. Uh, hi, I'm Anne-Cherie from Huntsville, Alabama. I have family in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, which is in book three. Uh, it is a real place and quite lovely. You should all go visit. I'm shamefully behind on the podcast, so I don't know if you've answered this already, but if you could relocate the entrances to Olympus and the underworld, where would you put them? So mm. in the book, it is in Los Angeles to the underworld and then the Empire State Building to Olympus. If I had to redo them, I would put the entrance to the underworld in Times Square, my least favorite place on Earth. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. question. No question. It, it would be the door to the M&M store, probably. <laughs> <laughs> or, just a, or just an Elmo's mouth. Yeah, yeah. no, Charon is dressed in an Elmo costume yeah, yeah, and yeah, it yeah. takes you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, half yeah. man, half Elmo. Yeah, and the whole time is just going down yeah. the river sticks. You want a picture? Do you want a picture? <laughs> Do you want a picture? But you're going to have to shell out this drachmas first. Do you want a picture? Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, as far as Olympus, I mean, Empire State Building is pretty good. I, maybe I would just do the Chrysler Building because I've always liked the Chrysler Building more. Also, so. like, there is a Mount Olympus. In New York? Oh, did, no, I, I, did, oh, just, I didn't know if it had to be in New York specifically. No, it could be anywhere. You could, that could be Well, isn't that in, like, Washington State? Yeah, there's, like, Olympic yeah. National Park. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's not. That's pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. I think I might locate Hades um, underneath the city of Orlando, Florida. Oh. Yeah, that checks yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> no, that's actually rude to Hades to compare <laughs> to Jacksonville. I don't know. The Space Needle might be fun for, for Olympus. Yeah. Yeah, be good. And it would at least be a cheaper elevator up. It's only $35 to go up the Space there Needle. <laughs> Instead of like, what's it like? What's it to go to the Empire Building now? Like seventy dollars? Eighty-five. Oh wow! <laughs> I remember my parents were in town, and my dad loves doing touristy New York stuff. And then he was like, "We should go to the Empire State Building." And I sent him a thing, and he was like, eighty-five dollars? <laughs> no, no." All right, so this one is from Megan. Uh, subject line: Worst movie, best podcast. 
Previously, you have made fun of Luke for naming his sword Backbiter. What do you think his screen name would be when he plays Call of Duty with Hades? <laughs> I think he would make it Backbiter. I think that would be good. So Luke has like a sword that he named Backbiter mm -hmm. because it, uh, it'll stab you in the back. Uh, and I always make fun of it for being poorly named. But yeah, I feel like Backbiter or something like Backstabber or like something in that regard. And then he really likes to try to like knife in Call of Duty. I don't know if either of you have gamer tag names. It's all caps, THE Lightning thief. Yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. Four twenty sixty nine. So eight zero zero eight five. So we just got time for a couple more. This one is from our editor Sherry Guo. Subject line. A question from your editor, Sherry says, how would you categorize PJO characters as states of matter, solid, liquid, gas, or plasma? Oh. I don't know if this is one of those like new math things where I'm like, back in my day, we only had three. What's this, Umami? Yeah. <laughs> and Pluto was a planet. Yeah, but let's see. Someone more scientific than me. What is plasma? Stars. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Great, thank you very much. Fire, great, cool. All right. Uh, well, liquid feels like Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. Sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, solid. I mean, like, if I think of solid, that just feels like Clarice is very sturdy and yeah. buff. So I could feel her being solid. Um, I guess, like, Apollo or any Apollo camper could be plasma because, like, fire is kind of their thing. Or maybe even, like, Nico Hades because yeah, of, like, the, underworld the fire. The Hephaestus. People oh, yeah. Could be they plasma. work in the forges. Yeah. yeah. Gas? I want to say Aphrodite cabin because of like hairspray. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, gas would obviously be smelly game. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. got him. Perfect. Got Great, him. we can move on uh, <laughs> to the question that I think is going to be the final one because it's just perfect and it cannot be topped. This is from Andrew G. Andrew writes, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> As we're here in New York, home of the second best bagels, and when I read that, I was like, "What?" But then in parentheses, "Let's go Jersey." <laughs> That is the most you, like, I guess the opposite of they had me in the first half, not gonna lie, meme I've ever been. Cause I was ready to get really mad. Cause I know like Montreal likes to hype up their bagels. They have those like, like skinnier ones with like the poppies, not the poppy seeds, but the sesame seeds on them. They like hype them up they like French bagels. They smoke. Bagels. Uh, yeah. I went to Montreal and like had these hyped up bagels. They suck so much. They're so bad. Don't do it. They also have like a really big hole in them. So you are like not getting enough bagel. 50% less bagel? Yeah, it's wow. really bad. How it's, dare they? It's awful. Terrible. So, New Jersey bagels, though, pretty solid. Now, the question from Andrew. What do you think the PJO squad would order as their bagels and toppings? <laughs> Thanks from a longtime listener, Andrew G. So, this is an intense one. Mm. I, I feel very passionately my dad does this on bagels, and I don't know of a lot of other people that do it, but I think it's a good call, and it's very thematic. I would believe that Tyson would put peanut butter on his bagels. Yeah, yeah. That and I out. feel like he would probably get one of those sweet bagels. Like I feel like a cinnamon raisin peanut butter bagel feels like exactly like Tyson. Mm. Now, as far as the other folks. I feel like Percy would have to have fish yeah, on I, his bagel. Right. I feel like he's going to yeah. be like very standard like everything bagel cream. Lox like, and, lox and, and yeah, cream either cheese. like standard cream cheese or like scallion cream cheese. Yeah. Kelly's favorite, like something yeah, yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Annabeth? Any particular 
cream cheese? Mm. The word plain. 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 Oh, oh yeah. You, yeah, you're going off movie. <laughs> movie, 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 Annabeth. Movie, Annabeth. Yeah, even plain, and they're like, do you want it toasted? And she goes, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smelly Gabe goes garlic. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he would, yeah, yeah. like garlic, garlic and onion with like yeah. whatever the smelliest. And like the fish that's like not lox, but one of the other fish where it's like really far down yeah. the menu, and you're like, what is that? <laughs> They like to get it out of the back. Like it's not even in the clear thing in the front where they can just get it. Like, oh yeah, we'll get it from behind. <sighs> Sally would go for like blueberry cream cheese, so then it could be blue, which would be good. It's a whole thing where they like blue foods. It's cute, okay. but we can't have Sally and Percy. They don't even have chemistry in the movie. <laughs> Do they like each other? Percy doesn't seem sad when she dies. <laughs> so anyone else? Grover. I think we can end it with Grover's. Grover's. Goat cheese. Oh yep, yep, correct. Um, Dale, great. That is the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for coming out. <laughs> uh, I really, really appreciate y'all coming out. There's a ton of people here. This is awesome. We wouldn't be able to do this without y'all coming out and coming to tickets So and buying tickets. So thank you all so much. Give yourselves a round of applause for making it out, making it possible to do so many shows here. Give it up to Adam and Sequoia for being incredible guests. Give it up to Kelly for running the merch table and helping out production-based stuff. And also give it up to everyone here at City Winery for helping out from hospitality to Rashad on the sound and the video and the lighting. Oh, so many great stuff. Grace helping out with hospitality. So many, they were wonderful. Such a smooth process. Give it up for them, making this really, really nice. I'm also very proud of all of you for coming to the show and not going to the Double Bill show because I don't know if everyone else is aware, but the show that's going on in the other room at this place is Kevin Bacon and his brother playing music. They have a band. I I didn't know Kevin Bacon had a brother. I don't know his brother's name. Is it Turkey? But they are doing music apparently, but now everyone here, you can all win the six degrees or seven degrees, whatever, a separation of Kevin Bacon, because you can be like, oh yeah, I was at the same venue where he performed music with his brother. (laughs) But shout out to some of the older women, the uh, "Hmm, Kevin Bacon crowd. (laughs) who got out of the show and then went to the bathroom near where the merch table was and then asked Kelly for my merch table. I was like, oh, can we take some of these? And Kelly goes, you can buy some of these. (laughs) And then they all asked, what's the newest Olympian? Which I'm sure is just like, "Uh uh-oh, they don't know what podcasts are. And they like, this is small talking. And they were like, oh no, a real answer. Oh, what is this? So that's fun. So shout out to coming to this and not the Bacon Brothers. In their defense, those ladies also asked her for more paper towels in the back. They also did. They thought Kelly worked here. (laughs) Whatever. But thank you all so much. This was super fun. I'm going to clean up my dollar bill related mess and then uh, get out of here. But thank you all so much for coming to the show. I cannot wait to come back for another New York show. Got to make it happen. This has been a delight. I'm going to keep it going for whatever we cover. Maybe we'll cover a good book in the future to make it up to you all. But... Thank you all so much. And until we come back and do another live show, until then. <gasps> Thanks so much for coming out, everybody. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schuber. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanes and Brandon Google, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to be a part of the show's community, you can find us on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's also a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash The Newest Olympian. And then there's also the Discord that you get access to by joining any tier of the Patreon over at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. If you want to get some TNO merch, you can go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch. And if you want to support the show, 
And as a thank you, get access to a whole bunch of bonus content. You can do that at thenewsolympia.com slash Patreon. Speaking of that Patreon, let's give a shout out to our producer level patrons, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskov-Chova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Josh Sayre, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Riley Kiddas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mrs. O'Leary, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Harlan Christ, Cece Reads 23, Sandkoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Sarah Neal, Ricky, John Drillsma, Rayla Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Cadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, Sky Captain and the Princess, King Bastion, One Damn Distraction coming up, Ethan Robinson, Ginger Spurs Boy, Joshua Aid, A Cup of Solace, Meg Roy, Lux, Neil, Will Buchanan, Olivia Kronicki, Mrs. O'Leary's Best Doggo, and Bradimus Prime. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, simply talking about the show is so helpful. Word of mouth is huge. So you can tell someone that you know who loves Percy Jackson about the podcast, or you can talk to someone who's looking for an excuse to finally get into the Percy Jackson books about it, or someone who's maybe getting hyped for the TV show that's coming up and they want to understand what's going on. Or you could post about the show on social media, or you could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. All these things really do help. I'm very appreciative to everyone who has already done so and to anyone who will do so in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode and hope you tune into our next episode where we will be joined by Melissa and Ellie and then Megan Fitzmartin to talk about the history of the Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief movie. And then we will go through the Rick Riordan emails to the production team. It's going to be a good one. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mix. So for this ASMR Mix segment, I'm just going to rub the comforter of the hotel bed that I am on because I'm recording this on the hotel bed because I'm trying to get the best acoustics. So I'm talking towards the headboard, but here's me rubbing along the comforter. Thank you so much for listening. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.